Hi, everyone. Sam Harrelson, Thinking Religion, and we're talking about Genesis 4. So we, we've made it through the first two creation stories, and now we're up to the part where we get introduced to Cain and Abel, which is pretty interesting. So remember, there's a, a first, or the, well, let me back up. There's a creation story in Genesis 1, not the first creation story, written much later, but then there's a, another creation story in Genesis 2, and we see this throughout Genesis. It's not just the creation stories. Um, there's also two flood stories. There's multiple like threads going on uh, in, in Jacob, uh, for instance. So we're, we're going to see these kind of like different sources. Not not to go. All, there's a, a part of academic Bible world that that's called source criticism. Thank thank you, Gerhard von Rod. Um, and some people really get into source criticism. So we have what's called the documentary hypothesis, which was uh, Julius Wellhausen back in the 1800s, and it, it blew up the, the biblical scholarship world. It was very interesting, and, and I, I still I still do enjoy it because my focus is on what's called the Deuteronomistic history, which is like Deuteronomy up through Second Kings. But uh, here in Genesis, Wellhausen was and, and people who were do source criticism and, and the documentary hypothesis and all that stuff. Like to break this down and say, you know, there was the J author for the Yahwist, and there was the Elohist uh, author for E, which comes later. Uh, Genesis 1 was by the priestly author, or P. So you have J, E, and then D was the Deuteronomistic author, or, or the Deuteronomist, um, who was sort of the, the, the last uh, editor or redactor, if you will, of, of these texts. So generally, if you're taking an Old Testament 101 class, what you hear is that there are four separate strands, and they all kind of get weaved together into one somewhat coherent story. Not really, but some somewhat you know coherent telling of, of Genesis. So, you know, basically, the the whole Hebrew Bible. So the the Deuteronomist is is redacting the stuff, or the Deuteronomists are redacting the stuff way late, and before that, you have the priestly redactors who are interested in. Um, kind of exilic, post-exilic themes. So they're probably working in Babylon, according to the documentary hypothesis. And then you have uh, the Eloistic, or Elohim, and we'll talk about that when, in a few chapters, in a couple of days when we get there, um, who are somewhat associated with maybe northern kingdom of Israel interpretations, because you've got Judah or Judea, in, in Roman times, if you get Judah and Benjamin down in the south, and then the other ten tribes are um, kind of seen as the northern kingdom, if you will. So we're not really sure. And then um, you, you've got the Yahwist, or J. Again, Wellhausen was German, hence his name, Julius Wellhausen. Wellhausen, as some people say, it's a W in English. It's a, you know, there's no W in German because Germans are weird. But uh, here in America, we say Wellhausen, but I think he would have preferred Wellhausen. He probably would have preferred, you know, drinking beer at 9 a.m. because it's what Germans do, right? So anyway, we'll call him Julius, and that that, that doesn't work because there's no real J in uh, German like that either. So we, you know, we, we translate it Jehovah, right? You hear Jehovah's Witness or Jehovah is the name of God. That definitely wasn't like a biblical name. It, it's kind of a American bastardization of a, of a German theme. Anyway, uh, so Julius 
Wellhausen with his complicated, pro pro problematic name, probably a problematic personal person being in Germany in the late 1800s. Who knows? Don't want to speculate. Allegedly, as we say here on the podcast, allegedly. Um, Wellhausen comes up with this idea that J or Y for Yahwist, as we would say in English. Again, weird. Um, the, the Yahwist is the earliest strand. Okay, so J-E-D-P, right? Yahwist, Eloistic writer, Deuteronomistic writer, and the Priestly writer. We'll go to all the further intricacies of this, but basically you can break this down into, like, there's the E1 writer, an E2 writer, an E3 writer, and there's the P1, P2, there's the J4, and the J7, and it, it gets fun. It, it's really fun. It, it gives biblical scholars something to do, right? Because, I mean, we've all read these texts, supposedly, allegedly, and, um, you know, it, it gives them something to... to create new it, it creates dissertations and jobs it's, it's it's a job motivator like source criticism anyway okay so backing up from that we're going to take more of a brevard child kind of a canonical criticism look at this even though i i detest canonical criticism i'm sorry for those of you who love that i went to yale div where brevard childs resided and uh, I, I appreciate his work but it's it's not my thing i'm kind of a more of a source form critical kind of person i know that's passe but you know it's it's who i am i'm a 42 year old white man i, I can say these things so all that said my name is sam and we're talking about genesis 4 and here in genesis 4 um i'm making salmon tonight by the way does anyone have any good salmon recipes i need some good salmon recipes there's a guy on, on youtube called kent rollins who i really enjoy and uh kent rollins cooks everything in cast iron his, his youtube channel is fantastic there's a link down in the show notes you should definitely look it up big fan so if you have any good salmon recipes not not like salmon patties i grew up with those and those are disgusting but like how, how do you really cook salmon in, in a way that's not just you know salmon um mariana my my partner has, has like the sensibilities of, of um i don't know i um, we, we won't go there anyway so and that's one cooking. So Genesis 4, um, so send your salmon recipe, sam at samharrelson.com. Genesis 4, Adam and Eve, after the second creation story, which is actually the first creation story written by the Yahwist. The first one was written by the priestly writer, according to Wellhausen and all of the source critical people out there. Um, but there were definitely different strands. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. So in this first slash second creation story, we get uh, Adam and Eve. Well, it's not Adam. And we need to back up there. When people say Adam and Eve, um, Adam doesn't have a name. Eve has a name. So Eve was named Eve because she is the mother of all the living in Genesis 3. Oops, sorry. And she's the mother of all the living. But in a, in a very nice turn of, of, uh, turn of a phrase, not only is she the mother of all the living, she's the mother of all the dead, right? Because to live means to die. So there's a, a fun strand I used to follow when I was uh, in seminary and divinity school and, and had the time to do such things um, where theologically you can make the argument that things like death weren't intended by God, right? Same thing with gender. So um, my Twitter friend, uh, Eric Van Eichel, uh, professor, uh, was, was responding to a tweet the other day and, and or I think yesterday and posted something about how uh, or some someone 
I don't know who this person is, the Southern Baptist pastor, had, pa- uh, had posted that. Uh, we see in Genesis 3 that the preferred system of family is laid out, and it's the man at the head of the family, and the woman is subordinate, sub, geez, subordinate to that man, and therefore blah, blah, blah. So Eric rightly says, hey, that's not really true because that's a consequence of Adam and Eve or the man and Eve getting kicked out of the garden because they listened. Eric says a, a snake. It's not a snake, as we talked about yesterday. It's a serpent. So anyway, uh, here we are. Adam and Eve, or the man and Eve, have been kicked out. And Genesis 4 starts with, Now the man knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced. And the word Cain in Hebrew is a kind of a transliteration for produced or or, or generations. So already... You know, for, for people that want to take this historically and say, yes, there was an Adam and an Eve and a Cain and an Abel, and then Cain kills Abel and, you know, Cain has to leave and goes to the land of Nod and there he finds a wife. And it's like, wait, where did the wife come from? Well, it doesn't matter because that's, as we talked about yesterday, history as a thought technology didn't exist in the same way that it does for us, right? Or for maybe our president. So the idea of having, um, you know, kind of a objective truth in the sense that, you know, here's these writings that we were passed uh, passed down uh, that, that we've received that told the history of the world. Not really there. And that's not what this is about. This is a mythological retelling of a human circumstance. And I don't mean mythology as in, like, fake. I mean mytho- mythological as in a very true story, but not truth like historical truth. And I'm saying there are different types of truth because, again, you sound like a president. But here there are different types of ways to approach the human condition. And that's one of the things I think that um, we're, we're getting to with Genesis 4 and beyond, all the way up to chapter 11, which we're going to go through. So Cain and Abel come about. Next, uh, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain is a tiller of the ground. So Abel was the shepherd. Cain was the farmer. And like always, the farmers get 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 a lot of crap, right? In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Now, keep in mind also, I had a fun conversation with this about a, a uh, w- with a friend the other day who who was asking me about this based on our studies on on Instagram. And I guess here's question one. So question one was, why is Lord capitalized here? So you notice it's L O R D in all caps if you're reading from an English translation. And that's very intentional. So you, you might no- notice in places like Psalms or later in the New Testament when people say Lord or when Lord is written, it's not in all caps. Like maybe the L is capitalized, but, you know, or D or not capitalized. And that's on purpose because in the Hebrew scripture here or in the Torah, uh, it's written YHWH, which is the name of God. And therefore because of restrictions on using the name of God in, in, in certain uh, you know, sensibilities and in, in certain Jewish context, uh, that's translated as Lord because uh, not every Jew, but, and I don't, I'm not generalizing or, or stereotyping or anything like that, but there was a, a move to use the word Adonai for YHWH, and I'm not going to pronounce it out of, out of my own sensibilities because I, I don't think it's fair for us to take the Lord's name like that. I'm, I'm a weirdo. Um, so 
the Tetragrammaton. We, we'll get to that in Exodus, where God reveals God's name to Moses. So we, we have here kind of, and all throughout Genesis 2 and 3, like the use of L-O-R-D in, in capital. In the Greek translation, that's Adonai, which means Lord, right? But it doesn't mean hierarchical Lord. It was a substitution phrase used by um, early, you know, what would become Jewish scribes to signify the name of the Lord or the name of God. So even God, sometimes you'll see like G-O-D in all caps. Um, that's kind of a callback to the Tetragrammatron or, or the four holy letters. Um, then studies with rabbis and, and talk to a lot of rabbis and that kind of stuff. And, and you know, one of the questions I've always had is like, what do white Christian pastors do that really annoys you? And uh, one of the rabbis I've talked to, a pretty, pretty significant rabbi here uh, in the southern United States, said that when we take the Lord's name, uh, and, and use it to try to make a point, like we're sounding academic, and we say YHWH, and it's, it's proper pronouncement. And he, he was like, it's just kind of like nails on the chalkboard. And he's like, just just say Lord or Adonai or, or, or God. Like, you don't have to say the Lord's name. But if you do, like, just realize what, what you're co-opting and what you're you're taking. Um, you'll, you'll hear people refer to, like, Yah, um, especially on YouTube. I watch a lot of prepper channels when I'm looking for salmon recipes, especially. And uh, they'll use that, that term, like, Father Yah. Um, I'm not going to call anybody else specifically, but that, uh, this is kind of a, I don't know, lowball thing to do. Don't do not do that. Um, so anyway, that, that's why you see L-O-R-D. All right, so back to our text. And if you have questions, so that's, that's question one, why is Lord in caps in, in this telling of Genesis uh, creation story? Uh, if you have questions, send them to sam at samharrelson.com. Comment down below uh, here on, on this podcast post, send me a message on Facebook uh, or Instagram where these things originate every night at about 12, 12, 10. I write them on the spot. I'm not, I don't write them early. I'm literally up at midnight studying the Bible because it's, you know, four-year-old and 20-month-old land here at the Harrelson household. So we, um, we don't get a whole lot of time to do things like Bible study during the day between work and reading Twitter and, and, uh, you know, making sure the kids don't, you know, fall off the trampoline. And, and the four-year-old's in homeschool now, and we're studying farms. So it's kind of funny that we're talking about Abel. I, I didn't want to note the irony to Mariana, but I don't know if she noticed. And if you're listening, Mariana, this is for you. Um, I, I think it's an interesting thread that we're talking about farms in, in homeschool this week. And uh, and here we are talking about Cain and Abel. So, okay, back to Cain and Abel, Genesis 4. Send me a question if you have any questions about this. Uh, came, brought an offering from the ground, and Abel, for his uh, part, brought the firstlings of his flock. So the newborn, or, you know, no, I'm saying newborns, but like the, the, the best of his flock, if you will, in, in Hebrew. Uh, their fat portions, so that the tender, tender little flock. And Abel, for his uh, part, brought the, the, the firstlings, and, and the Lord, or Adonai, had regard for Abel and his offering. So the Lord was like, hey, you know, good offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so this is all very interesting because we don't get really kind of any heads up about this. Before in Genesis 3, when, when Adam and Eve get kicked out, now now we have Adam, or the man, knowing Eve, and we, we get two sons. One's a farmer, one's a shepherd. And theoretically, they're older at this point, right? 
So this has been over the span of many years, and all of a sudden there's this offering system. You know, Cain and Abel are bringing offerings to God. We, we don't get, like, any instructions on that, so, you know, keep that in mind. And uh, God clearly here does not like Cain's offering from the ground. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell, or his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, so the, the Lord here, God here is, speaks directly to Cain, which he doesn't really do with the man all that much unless he's in trouble. And the only time God speaks to the woman or Eve is when she was really in trouble, right? But God sees that Cain is frowning and says, hey, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire, its desire is for you, but you must master it. So this is some, like, Yoda-level stuff. <laughs> like, God becomes Obi-Wan Kenobi and is trying to instruct Cain on the ways to stay on the, dark, the light side of the path and not fall to the dark side. Uh, and Cain, just like Anakin here, kind of uh, goes to the dark side because he's jealous and, and uh, he falls to sin. And this is the first time we get the mention of the word sin in the, in the Old Testament or New Testament. In, in the Old Testament. Cain said to his brother Abel, and Cain doesn't respond to God. Notice that, which I think is really interesting. So Cain says to Abel, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, or fought him, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, hey, where's your brother Abel? So again, same kind of retelling from Genesis 3, where God comes into the, the garden, and he says, hey, where are you? To the man and the woman. It's almost like God understands something has happened, you know, and he's questioning, trying to give the, the human a, a, the ability to, uh, to speak for themselves, if you will. Where's your brother Abel? And Cain said, I do not know. Am I, am I my brother's keeper? Which is kind of a, a popular point these days with people who, like today in Colombia, we had people protesting against face masks at the state capitol. And reminds me of this passage. Uh, yes, <laughs> you know, the obvious answer is yes, you are your brother's keeper. Um, please wear a mask, you know. Um, you, you, you'll do your small part by wearing a mask. So, yeah, wear a mask. Um, and and the, the word here is kind of a play on words because the in, in the Hebrew, the, the way it's structured, am I my brother's keeper is, is a very interesting turn of phrase with the name Abel. And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So rem remember, Cain is a farmer, and now all of a sudden what he was producing was in abundance, and now he's not going to be able to uh, have as much abundance and, and ease. And then finally, Cain responds to God. Here in verse 13, so Cain says to the Lord, my punishment is great. It's greater than I can bear. Which, you know, you shouldn't have killed your brother, dude. You're, you're like the only two people on earth, right? Besides your parents who are off doing whatever they're doing. Um, and anyone who meets me may kill me. Wait, what? Anyone? I thought it's just, you know, the man and Eve and Cain and Abel. Nope, there's other people out there. And we'll talk about that. Then the Lord said to him, not so. And in the Hebrew, that's an exclamation 
point, basically. It's kind of an emphatic, not so. Whoever kills Cain will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who came upon him would kill him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden, like the James Dean movie or the John Steinbeck book, which I, I still love that book. It's a great book, East of Eden. We'll talk about Cain and his wife tonight on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, link down below. Uh, also on Facebook. I make those public. Uh, and on Twitter. You can find me all of those places just by searching for Sam Harrelson. Um, I will also have the links down here in the show notes. Tomorrow we'll talk about Cain finding a wife in the land of Nod, which is a nice Bob Dylan throwback. There's a song I love about Bob Dylan that includes something about the land of Nod that we'll talk about. But here, um, as we close, last thing, when um, Cain gets that mark, the mark of Cain or Cain's mark, there, there's a lot of, of interesting sort of theological slash political slash sociological history wrapped up in that. But it, it, is it a blessing or a curse that no one can kill him? Because we're going to see, like, things don't go all that well for Cain. And it's one of those things where, like, by living, you you elongate the suffering. And I think maybe that's what happens here with, with Cain and with all of us. So we'll talk about that tonight. Stay tuned. If you have any questions, Sam at SamHarrelson.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, uh, comments down below, and keep those coming. Those, are, those have been really awesome, and I really uh, thank you all for, for uh, sending those in. I love talking about this stuff, and it's a good hobby to keep me away from the, the craziness of day-to-day life um, and you know, kind of a, a nice little uh, thing I get to do just thinking about the Bible again. So that's all for today. We'll see you tomorrow with the rest of Genesis 4. And hopefully I'll see you on Instagram tonight.